And last week we played a game. You guys did really good. So I got another game for you guys today, okay? Here's the game. We are, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list off a couple fears, a couple of things that people are really afraid of, some phobias, right, that people are scared of. I'm going to list them off. I'm going to give you the name, and I need you guys to shout out what is the fear of, what is the phobia of, okay? It's no fun if you don't participate. All right, so I need everybody to shout it out. Just give it your best shot, okay? It's okay if you get it wrong. Don't worry about it. We won't judge. It's okay. So I'm going to list off a phobia or a fear. I need you to tell me what the, what is it a phobia of? What is it a fear of? Let's start off with an easy one. You guys ready? You ready for this? Here's the first one. Arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. What is a fear of? Spiders. spiders. That's right. It's a fear of spiders. You see the picture there on the screen. All right. That was an easy one. Here's another easy one. I think a lot of you may know this or maybe even have this. A claustrophobia claustrophobia. What is that a fear of? Anybody take a guess? Shout it out. In small spaces. That's right. It's a fear of small spaces. You see the picture there on the screen as well. All right. Here's this, this next one. It's a little bit hard to pronounce even. I've never heard of it until I was doing research. Uh, Linonophobia. Linonophobia. I think I'm saying it right. Linonophobia. You see the word there on the screen. Anybody take a guess? What do you think that is? What is it a fear of? Anybody know? Anybody know? It's a fear of, here's a picture, a fear of string. Yeah, a fear of string. Isn't that weird? Yeah, anybody know that? Anybody know someone that has this fear right here? Fear of linonophobia. I don't know, it's really weird. I don't even know it exists. All right, how about this one? Uh, let me see if I can print it. The next one is chorophobia. Chorophobia. Anybody take a guess? What do you think that could be a fear of? By the way, this is all 100% legit. Google told me so. Okay, so what, what do you guys, anybody take a guess as what this is right here? It's the fear of dancing, the fear of dancing, that's right. Yeah, I got a picture there. That's a picture of me, that's a real life picture. Me, dance, like no way, I'm, that's me at every wedding ever. Like no, don't get me up there. I can't, that's, that's a fear I struggle with. All right, now how about this next one? Here, how about this picture? Uh, man, this one is really hard to pronounce. I need somebody out there, like an English major uh, out there. Didaskeleonophobia, didaskeleonophobia. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Anybody know what this is a fear of? Anybody want to take a guess? Anybody know? Out there, I stumped you guys, huh? Phone a friend, maybe? This one, well, let me tell you, this is a fear that all three of my kids have, and it's the fear of going to school. A fear of going to school. Man, yeah, I think they do. They got to get, they're not, you know, clinically diagnosed, but I think they have this here as well. Now, it's funny, right? Some phobias are somewhat funny, you know, unless you're the one that struggles with it, right? Then it's not funny at all. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's nothing funny about fear. There's nothing about fear. And for many, I think that the common sentiment is uh, for a lot of people that I know that we're living in some scary times, aren't we? We're living in some very scary times. For example, um, there's a picture of this on the screen. A man from Washington State who came from traveling overseas was diagnosed with having the coronavirus. You guys heard about this on the news? And uh, this is a virus with no vaccine that's been spreading throughout China. It's an outbreak that's affected. And, and uh, man, these, these numbers have updated since I wrote this. You know, well over 500 people in China causing over 17 guests. Can't even keep up with the numbers right now. And the fear is that he might just be the first of many who are coming into the U.S. infected with the, uh, the virus and that can begin spreading the disease, spreading the virus on American soil. Of course, I got a picture of this as well. Of course, you guys know about the nonstop earth shaking in Puerto Rico. Have you guys heard of that? Nonstop. In fact, just in the news, just recently, another 5.0 5 .0 hit again. 
hit the island again. The island has been under constant threat as earthquakes just continue to go on and shake, uh, shake the soil. People are so fearful that they're choosing to sleep under the stars and out in open fields because they're afraid that their roofs will cave in on them as they're sleeping overnight. They're afraid of being crushed by their own homes. Now, what about locally? What about right here in New York City? What about here in Bushwick? There's the fear of not being able to afford in the place that we call home, right? There's a fear of the rising rents or the landlords that are trying to uh, take advantage of the real estate boom locally right here in Bushwick and in our community and beyond. In fact, a recent report released, uh, uh, released a statement saying that 32.3% of all apartment renters in New York City are looking to move elsewhere. Guys, a third of everybody that rents an apartment in New York City wants to get out of here. They can't afford to live here. That's almost a third of renters in New York City that want to get out of here because the rent is simply too expensive and the cost of living is too high. These are very real fears. What are your fears? What are the things that keep you up at night? What are the things that disturb your very soul? And beyond that, the question that we really want to answer is how do we overcome those fears? Let's begin by reading a verse from uh, Scripture. It's found in 2 Timothy. And, and this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to a young up-and-coming leader named Timothy. He was a young guy. And as a young leader, I want you guys to imagine all the fears that he had to overcome. You know, first of all, think about the pressures of being a spiritual leader. Think about the expectations that we place on pastors. Right? The way they, they have to walk a certain way. They need to dress a certain way. They need to look a certain way. They need to talk a certain way. The pressures that we put on to spiritual leaders the weight of caring for others and for teaching the Bible correctly. Plus, he was young. Imagine what people probably thought about him. What does this young guy know about life? He's going to teach me about life. He's going to teach me about the Bible. What does he know? Imagine the pressures that he felt as a young, as a young man. Then couple that with the fear of self-doubt. I'm sure he wrestled with God's call on his life. Did God really call me? Did God really call me to do this, to, 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 to be the spiritual leader? Am I really cut out for this? And not to mention his mentor was Paul, the Apostle Paul. He wrote like a third of the New Testament. He's like, I'm supposed to measure up to this guy? I'm supposed to follow in his shoes? I'm never going to. He's such a spiritual giant. Can you imagine the self-doubt that he wrestled with? And what about this? Think about the hostile environment for Christians during this time. They were literally jailing and abusing and even executing Christians for following Jesus, and not only for their faith in Christ, but especially those who spoke out openly and spoke about and shared the gospel. It was a hostile environment. Do you think Timothy had a lot to be afraid of? Absolutely. So what does Paul tell him? In the context of that, knowing Timothy as a young leader and having to deal with all these fears, what does Paul tell him? Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read verse 6, and I'm going to invite you guys to read verse 7 with me. Okay, It's in your notes, and it's also on the screen. Verse 6 says this, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7, read it aloud. Ready, go. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound judgment. God has not given us a spirit of fear. This, this begs the question for me, if fear does not come from God, then the only reasonable question to ask is where does it come from? Where does it come from? You know, some people say that fear is the opposite of faith. But if you think about it, it's actually a lot more like faith, but faith in the wrong things. Fear is putting faith in the wrong things. In fact, I want you guys to write this down in your notes as a fill in the blank there. Fear is placing faith in the what ifs. 
Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. And I think there's a there's a story in the Old Testament that I think really sums this up or illustrates this really well. It's found in the Old Testament book of Exodus. In Exodus, we're introduced to a character. His name is Moses. Uh, you guys may know him. This is an actual picture of Moses. It's up there. They found it in the archives uh, somewhere. Uh, not, uh, <laughs> he's the guy with the Ten Commandments, right? You guys know that know the story. You've seen the movie or whatever. Well, God handed Moses the Ten Commandments, right? He gives Moses the Ten Commandments, but well before he even did that, he gave him the responsibility of freeing the Jewish people from their captivity, from their enslavement. The Jewish people were held captive, uh, captive of Egypt for over 400 years. And God chose Moses to head before Pharaoh and command him to let peoples go. Pharaoh is kind of like, kind of like the king or the president uh, of the day. And he sends Moses to go before him and to command him to let God's people go. God speaks to Moses directly. He hears the audible voice of God. And God gives him a command. He sends him. And you would think that hearing the voice of God and getting directly sent by God would build some confidence in Moses to go and do this thing. But instead, how does Moses respond? I want you guys to read Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Look at what he says. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what are these next two words? What did Moses answer, these next two words? What if? What if they don't, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me but say, the Lord didn't appear to you? Would you guys go ahead and box in where it says, what if? What if? Moses' response to God and to his sending and to the audible voice of God is, hold on, God. What if? What if? And fear is placing faith in the what ifs. And Moses showed that through his response, this is what he was afraid of. He was afraid of what others would say about him. He was afraid of what people thought of him. He was afraid that he wasn't the man for the job. He was afraid that he wasn't strong enough of a leader. What if? God, what if I'm not the man for the job? God, what if I'm not strong enough a leader? What if they don't like me? What if they don't approve of me? What if they deny that, this is, that you sent me to do this? What if? What if? What are your fears? Maybe to help you conjure up some things to think about, what are your what ifs? What are your what ifs? As you read the words of Moses, do you find them relatable? Because I know I do. I find them very relatable. Our fears, guys, are not just the boogeyman in the closet. It's not just the monster under the bed. Uh, you know, our fears look a lot more like those what ifs that keep us up at night. Maybe you're worried about the economy and you ask yourself, man, is the U.S., you know, is the economy here, is it ever going to level out? Is there any hope? Maybe you're worried about your job. What if I lose my job? What, what if there's a huge layoff? What if, what if I lose my tenure and they hire a younger person for half the salary of me because they're younger and they can pay them less? Maybe you're like, will I ever find a job ever? What if? Maybe you're worried about your relational future. You're asking yourself, well, well, will I ever get married? Will I ever find that person? What if I do get married and he's a complete jerk and a slob, right? What if, what if I can't have kids? What if I have three, four, five kids and then like a, like a bunny rabbit continue to multiply and they eat me out of house and home? What if? Here's what we know about your what ifs and your fears. You can actually write this down and there's a fill in the blank. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. Those things that we worry about, those things that we fear, 
those what-if questions that we ask, they all oftentimes uh, reveal to us the things that we value the most. Think about that for a second. If you fear losing your marriage, then what does that show that you value? It shows you that you value your marriage, or you value relationship, or you value companionship. If you're worried that something's going to happen to your child, then it shows that you value your children. Let's say you're afraid of losing your job, or that you can't find a job, or that you can't pay the bills, or that there's a possible layoff, then maybe what you value is financial security. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. I want you guys to write this down as well as the second fill in the blank. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. And it's oftentimes from a place of lack of trust in God that these worries and these fears are birthed. If you're afraid of losing your marriage, then maybe you don't trust God with your marriage. If you're afraid of something happening to your kid or your loved ones, then maybe you don't trust God with them. If you're terrified of not having enough, then maybe you're not trusting God to be your provider. I need you to be honest with your moment. Be honest for a moment and consider and acknowledge where where fear in the what if is stronger than your faith in God. Consider that. If I'm honest, I'll be completely vulnerable and honest with you guys. I'll share with you one of my fears. And one of my fears is right here with the church. As a church planter, as a missionary to my neighborhood, it's my what-ifs, and it's one of the areas I trust God the least. What if church doesn't make it? What if we're never self-sustaining as a ministry? What if we're never able to grow? What if no one comes to church this Sunday? What if? What if? And when I fear those things, and when I ask those what-ifs, what I'm saying is, God, I don't trust you to build your church. I don't trust you to send out your Holy Spirit and to save souls. God, what if I fail? Do you see how that reveals where I trust God the least? And do you see where in your fear, in your what ifs, how that demonstrates where you trust God the least? So what is it? What is your what if? What is your fear? I'm going to challenge you guys right now Because for some of you, it popped right into your mind. Your what if came right into your mind. You know what it is exactly. For some of you, you need to sit on it a little bit and and consider what it is. But I'm going to challenge you to take that pen and somewhere on your notes, on the back, on the margin, write it down. Identify what is that fear. What is your what if? And write it down. Don't worry about it. This is not a test. We're not collecting it. You don't have to put your name on it. Just write it down. Identify. What is that what if? Write down. I'm not trusting God with Fill in the blank. What is it? Maybe it's, I'm not trusting God with my health. Or I'm not trusting God with my kids. I'm not trusting God with my loved ones. I'm not trusting God with my future. Or my career. Or my schooling. I'm not trusting God with my aging parents. Or my aging grandparents. I'm not trusting God with my problems. I'm not trusting God with my finances. What is it? Write it down. And then this week, I'm going to challenge you to take out these message notes, bring the message notes home, uh, put it in your pocket, and then sometime during the week, take it out and read what you wrote down and take a moment to pray about it and ask God to help you with that struggling issue. So how do we overcome? How do we overcome our deepest fears? After all, that's the name of the series, right? Overcomer. We don't want to just, it's not identifier. We don't want to identify our issue. 
I said, what does God's word have to say about it? And how can we overcome it? And we've been looking to God's word to help us overcome some of the greatest obstacles that we all face. So to help us overcome fear, I want to I want us to look at someone in the Bible who had to deal with many fears. His name was David. David was a shepherd boy turned king who faced a lot of opposition and he had many enemies. His life was under constant threat. And so if there's anyone who had to learn how to deal with fear, it was this guy right here, David. David was also a singer, songwriter and a musician, and many of his writings are documented for us in the book of Psalms. So much of his music uh, was dealing with his fears. And among the things that we can learn, we can see this, you can write this down, that we should acknowledge, acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God anyway. Acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God anyway. That's why it's important that you write it down, that you identify what it is. Acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God anyway. Look at these words that David penned in Psalm chapter 56, verse 4. Would you guys read this verse with me? It's in your notes and it's on the screen. Ready, go. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Would you guys circle where it says, in God I trust, and then underline where it says, I will not be afraid. Now, in the last part of this verse, David asks, what can mere mortals do to me? Well, David... What can mere mortals do to him? You guys, do you guys know what they would do? David's life was under constant threat. Mere mortals can do a whole lot to David, right? They can murder him. They can dethrone him. They can, they can steal from him. They can hurt him severely. In fact, if you read uh, the life of David, his own son attempted to dethrone his dad and to have him murdered. His own son. What can mere mortals do to me? David, they can do a lot, a whole lot. But for David, his mindset was, even though I'm under threat, and even though I have reason to be afraid, I choose not to allow those fears to take over me, and I put my trust in God no matter what. By the way, this is not the same as shutting your eyes and sticking your fingers in your ears and ignoring that anything's happened and just saying over and over again, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. That's not what he's doing. This is acknowledging your fears and then intentionally saying that you're going to trust God no matter what. That you're going to trust God regardless. David's perspective was an eternal one. It was not focused on what was happening around him. Instead, he was heavenly focused, looking upward and putting his faith, not in his fears, but in his God. And the second thing that we see is that we seek God until he takes away your fears. Seek God until he takes away your fears. Let's read this verse together out loud as well. Psalm 34, verse 4. You guys have it there. It's on, it's on the, uh, the screen as well. You guys ready? Ready, go. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. I, what did he do? I sought the Lord. Underline that part right there in your notes. After acknowledging our fear, the next step is to seek God and to ask him to rescue us from those things that keep us up at night. Seek Him to rescue you from those what-ifs. How do we seek God? We seek God through prayer. We seek God through Scripture, through reading the Bible. We seek God through being with God's people who can help pray for us and encourage us through it all. Is that what you do when it comes to facing your fears? And I mean, genuinely seek after the face of God and desperately cry out to Him. And earnestly pursue God in prayer. 
Now, God, would you please help me with this fear? Amen. Earnestly pursuing God in prayer. I don't think this is what we do. And I, I know this because I know that's not what I always do. I don't always trust God. And I don't always seek Him until He takes all my fears away. You know what we tend to do? Sometimes we suppress it, thinking maybe if we just ignore it, if we don't talk about it, if we don't tell anybody about it, then maybe it'll just disappear. Or you know what else we tend to do? Sometimes we hide. We close in. We isolate. We remove ourselves from community. We, we stop answering texts. We stop answering phone calls. We don't pick up the phone. We avoid contact with people. Instead of seeking God, sometimes we self-medicate. You eat a whole tub of ice cream by yourself, right? Maybe you self-medicate with alcohol, thinking that if you throw down enough drinks, it might just numb the pain or take away your fears. Sometimes we self-medicate with food. Sometimes we self-medicate with sleep, hoping that in your sleep, at least you can run away your fears because at least you can get away from your fears and your dreams. What did David do? He sought the Lord. He put his faith in God and he sought after God and he sought him until he took all his fears away. So let's seek the Lord together. Let's seek God together. I'm going to invite the worship team up here and they're going to lead us in a final song. And so as they play this final song and as we partake in communion, let's take time to pray together. What did you write down? What did you write down in your notes? What did you write down in that, on the margins or on the back? What are your what ifs? Take time to pray right now and ask God to take away your fears. Ask Him to grow your faith in Him. And listen, seeking God won't always change your situation. He doesn't always change the situation. It won't always immediately change what gives you fear but it will always change you. And maybe God will grow your character. Or maybe God will grow your faith in Him to trust in Him no matter what. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. Let's pray. Lord, there's so much going on in the world right now. There are uncertain times for many. These fears that we've written down, these insecurities, these what-ifs, they show the areas that we trust you the least. And God, we repent of our unbelief. And we ask that you would increase our faith in you. God, we choose to trust in you anyway. And we ask that you would do a good work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.